Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. This is Greg Olson, inviting you to check out my new Blue Wire podcast, TE1, where I interview tight ends throughout the history of the NFL who have helped revolutionize the position. TE1 is presented by the Chevy Silverado. The Silverado is all about grit. It's strong and dependable, exactly like playing tight end. Just like the incredible players we sit down with on the podcast, the Chevy Silverado is in a league of its own. Strong, advanced, and dependable. Download TE1 today wherever you listen to podcasts. Blue Wire. It's exciting to win money. Back out to Allen. History title. Is there anything you don't gamble on? Uh, not really. Gambling God? Fickle butt. Oh, yeah. So easily offended. Gambling's not your problem. You're just an idiot. And we welcome you in to Full Slate of Blue Wire. Gambling Podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover Greg, joined by our producer. And now we're going to turn him into a co-host, if we haven't already. Alex Uplinger, he manages our podcast Twitter at full underscore slate underscore pod. We're running through the NFL Week 3 rotation. It was not a good week for me in Week 2. I uh, was on some wrong sides, a couple of bad breaks, added it all up. Wasn't pretty, uh, but better days ahead, at least I'd like to think. Alice, always good to have you aboard. How are we doing? Greg, doing well. Uh, a couple of bad beats for me as well. I'm still recovering from that Cleveland Thursday night, Ooh. that back door. Yeah. That's, was that your worst one of the season so far? Uh, I think I think Niners-Jets under was worse. Right, Sam Darnold finally doing something with a minute 20 left and a 30-yard touchdown pass to crush us there. 
Yeah, and I, I was on that as well. Um, I mentioned to you that I am in a uh, confidence pool this year against the spread where you got to pick four sides and two totals each week. And to give you an idea, uh, week one, my highest confidence pick was the Lions minus two and a half. And week two, my highest confidence pick was under in Niners Jets. Oh, oh so I, I went back to back weeks with brutal beats for my high confidence picks. But I think that, that lines marathon, might be. not a sprint, right? I think it's exactly. important to try and stay grounded and uh, <laughs> keep the nose of the grindstone. And my week one, I still ended up turning a slight profit. Week two uh, certainly was not pretty though. But let's move on and uh, talk a little bit about week three after uh, one game already in the books. We record Thursday night. You listen Friday morning. So the uh, Florida battle is already in the books, Miami and Jacksonville. Interesting, uh, back-to-back Thursday games there of uh, in-state opponents after having the uh, Cincinnati and Cleveland Week 2 Thursday game last week. But nonetheless, let's talk about the games on Sunday for NFL Week 3. We're going to go in rotation order on our sponsor book, Bet Online, and we're going to talk first about 4-6-1, the Las Vegas Raiders traveling east, to take on 4-6-2, the New England Patriots. And uh, right off the bat, I'm going to give you one of my favorite sides of the week, and that is the New England Patriots, as we're seeing them right now listed as 5.5-point chalk on Bet Online with a total of 47 in this game. And if, you're, if you like to bet trends, and I do when they check out and when things kind of make sense, if there's logic behind it, uh, then I think that that can give you a competitive advantage. Then this is a good game for you, because the New England Patriots in their last – 59 home games. Obviously, this now includes the one win in week one over Miami uh, with Cam. Uh, they are 40-19 and 19 against the spread in their last 59 home games. And, of course, the bigger trend here that I want to bet is the Patriots off a loss. Their last 26 games off a loss, they are 18-7-1 against the spread. So we know Belichick always seems to get his team ready to play, and he went viral this week for the wrong reasons, but I don't think he really cared um, with that picture on the Zoom conference. Uh, And we saw the New England offense really look good last week, and their defense got shredded. Remember, at the beginning of the year, all the questions were about that New England offense, and do they have enough weapons, and are they going to be able to move the football, and what's Cam going to look like? Well, Cam looks great. And the young receiver, Nikhil Harry, has at least been a dependable target for him. And Julian Edelman isn't in the top five in receiving yards. So the offense is doing just fine for New England. And the defense, I think that was more about Russell Wilson last week than the New England defense. So you have to think that there's a lot of guys on that defense, namely Stephon Gilmore, the reigning defensive player of the year who got shredded by DK, uh, DK Metcalf on a long play. You have to think there's a lot of guys for New England, though, defensively that are juiced up to just get back on the field and right last week's wrongs. And remember, this is a far less explosive Las Vegas offense. And when we think about the Raiders, 7-24 and straight up in their last 31 games on the East Coast in the 10 a.m. Pacific start time. We also have them coming off of a short week, having played on Monday night. And I just think the Raiders, while they're – I think more real than fake and a very legit playoff team. I don't, I think all that's fair. I still think a little fat and happy here are the Raiders. They're two and Oh, uh, they won in kind of an ugly fashion, even though it was high scoring against the Panthers, they could easily could have lost that game in week one. And they had that nice win to open Allegiant stadium in Vegas last week against new Orleans. 
I think this is a bit of a reality check for the Raiders. Again, I still could see them in the playoffs, but I don't think they're going to coast. I think they get humbled this week in a big way. New England wins this game by double, digit, double digits. Excuse me, Alex. I know uh, I think you like the New England side as well. Yeah, I'm going to also be taking the Patriots at – I got six, but it's down to five and a half. I might right. play it again if it gets a little <laughs> further down. Um, what was that Belichick sweater? You think that might be like his lucky sweater? It looked, looked at least like 20 years old. It was yeah. cropped and yeah. shredded. Lot, 2020 in a nutshell, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> with that. I saw you were having fun with it on Twitter. <laughs> Absolutely. That's a good good meme to use. And the Raiders are dealing with a couple injuries. I, I checked the injury report on Action Network. They update it daily. Uh, Jacobs and Waller both did not practice today. That That's huge. That's 75% of their offense. And then Ruggs was limited and starting tackle. Trent Brown did not practice as well today. Right, and he did not play against New Orleans. Uh, I'll give him credit. They were ready to go Monday Night Football. Well, they got behind, but John Gruden, I thought, had a good game plan. And uh, offensively, Derek Carr looked comfortable. They were getting the ball out of his hands quickly. Uh, but if you watch that game, and, and I did, wasn't part of you saying anytime Waller, somebody not named Waller, caught the ball, like, who is this for the Raiders? <laughs> because Ruggs only had one catch. <laughs> Absolutely. Just Waller and an occasional Hunter Renfro across the middle, a little Brian Edwards. Yeah, I was really impressed with what they did on offense, and they actually started getting some stops, but that felt more like on Breeze not being able to complete a pass down the field. You had some guys open there. Sure. Oh, right, exactly. And I thought the uh, I, I thought the New Orleans defense did not respond well last night. Once Breeze started to struggle and once the Raiders' offense got going, I didn't like what I saw from the New Orleans defense. They just looked to – kind of tap out in a way last week. Uh, I don't think that happens this week with New England, primarily because of how embarrassed they got last week by Russell Wilson. So um, I think this is a great spot to bet on New England. Lay the points. Uh, I I don't quite get the Raider money that did bring the line down a a hook or a full point. I got six as well. Uh, Just one last thing before we move on to our next game. Like, is there – we talked a little bit about this off the air. Like, how much does the line have to move where if you're not in agreement with the move, you say, oh, well, this has moved too much. It's weirding me out. I'm not going to play the game. Does that factor into your logic at all? It's definitely in the back of my mind because that generally signifies that there's some sharp money or some bigger bets coming in on that side. But I just can't see the world that Belichick doesn't have them prepared. He's going to take away something. Does he, I mean, he knows Waller well. He was on – the New England practice squad, I believe, or was that the? I think he might have been on the Ravens practice squad. But either way, he's gonna he's gonna take away either Waller or Jacobs. I I can't see him allowing Waller to beat them. So that leaves Jacobs and Rugs and Hunter Renfro. I I just yeah, don't see enough. And that's the thing, right? Later. How many times do you see a Belichick defense say, "All right, you might beat us, but your best weapon's not going to beat us." Right, you're going to beat us with Hunter Renfro having to somehow Nelson get Aguilar, eight you know? Yeah, yeah, good luck, Nelson Aguilar, catching okay. the ball. So a consensus play for us on the New England Patriots, minus the points to get things started for our podcast here to go through the NFL Week 3 rotation. Let's go 
to another team in the AFC East uh, and a team that also uh, is uh, very much in contention to win the division. And right now, a game ahead of the New England Patriots, and that's the Buffalo Bills in Western New York, uh, laying one point against the L.A. Rams total in this game at bet online of 47. Uh, and we just talked about the number coming down. This is another line move that I uh, don't get. A little bit of a stronger move, too, uh, coming off the opener of two and a half down to one for Buffalo as the chalk. And I, I'll be honest, I hopped on Buffalo laying the two and a half, so I definitely like it at the current pricing. Uh, more of a Rams fade at first glance because if you didn't know this, if you're listening and didn't know, the COVID protocols did not allow the Rams to stay on the East Coast after playing the Eagles last week. So the Rams traveled from west to east to play the Eagles. Then they had to go back west, and now they're coming back east to play Buffalo. So that certainly is a factor for me. You know, it, it sounds, uh, you, you think, oh, well, is that, how's that going to matter when they start the game? Well, they're human beings. If you travel, you're going to be tired, especially if you go cross-country. Then you do it back-to-back weeks. I, I just don't know that um, the Rams are going to have their best effort here. Uh, and I do think last week, and I'll just speak to this as an Eagles fan, I think it was more about the Eagles than the Rams. The Eagles defensively really got exposed primarily by Tyler Higby, the tight end, and the Eagles, I can tell you, as an organization, just have not valued the linebacker position enough. And that really came back to bite them in the rear end with Tyler Higby really burning them over the middle of the field. It looks like Tremaine Edmonds and Matt Milano, linebackers for Buffalo, are going to return to the field this week. They had both started to practice already. So on the defensive side of the ball, I expect Buffalo to be a lot better against the Rams than Philadelphia was last week. And also, then we, when we look at offense, Carson Wentz made some really bad decisions in that game, too, that did not do the Eagles any favors. Right now, Josh Allen, I know it was the Jets in Miami, but he looks great. And the trade for Stephon Diggs appears to have paid off so far. He's tied for first in the NFL in receiving yards with Calvin Ridley. There's a lot to like about Buffalo right now, and I think this is legit. I know people are going to say it's the Jets and the Dolphins, um, but we knew that their defense was going to be their rock, right? And the question was if they were going to be able to win with their offense, and that's what they did last week, 31-28 over Miami. They boned me. I laid the points, and Miami got through the back door. Having said all of that, Again, the travel spot for the Rams is one that I don't like. I don't get the Rams' support here. Uh, McVay has been good on the East Coast, uh, but I'm going to go right back to the well with Buffalo. I think this is a chance for them to really make a statement and shut everybody up that is saying that it it was just the Jets and the Dolphins. Alex, how do you see this game? This does feel like a statement game. I I, I do think uh, last week was more so on – Philly than on the Rams. At, at what point do we think that Philly's just not that good of a team? I, I had right. way higher expectations going into the season than what they've performed so far. Yeah, uh, no, absolutely. I mean, the the second half against Washington was a train wreck, so I, I agree with you that uh, the Rams, I got to see a little bit more. Uh, and, and, you know, obviously uh, the big storyline after week one was that the Rams got away with one with the offensive pass interference getting called there on, I believe it was Michael Gallup for Dallas. Yeah, that was tough. That that really pulled them out one there. I really love what we're seeing from this Buffalo 
offense. I have a little Josh Allen MVP ticket. If they I was going to say eleven games. So yeah. you're you're buying this then? You think this is uh, uh, this can last? I should say. I do absolutely. I I love the addition of Stefan Diggs. I think that makes them a way more dynamic offense. They can actually stretch the field now, which opens it up for John Brown. And I, I like their uh, two-headed monster in the backfield, too. I like that pick of Zach Moss. Worth noting, uh, Zach Moss has not practiced Wednesday and Thursday, so he might not go. But Devin Singletary was their lead back last year and did just fine. So, Alex, anything else here? No, that's all. I, I agree with, with what you said. Sure. Let's keep things moving and go to the Steel City where we have the Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the Houston Texans. And, gosh, I don't know what Bill O'Brien did to the schedule makers, but when you have to open at Kansas City, home against Baltimore, and then at Pittsburgh, somebody must not like you because this is a (laughs) tough, tough situation for the Houston Texans. And I think we are seeing the, the support coming for Houston as a result. Uh, this I don't believe this number opened at the key of seven, but it definitely was longer than what we're seeing right now. Pittsburgh is laying four at bet online with a total of 45. And Alex, I guess you could argue, we're going to get into this more as we get along through this rotation. Certain 0-2 teams, uh, last hurrah, this is it, you know, one final stand. And so I could, from that angle, see where the Houston money is coming. But I'll be honest, Deshaun Watson hasn't looked great. And I'm not saying that I am concerned about him season long, but this sure doesn't feel like the get-right spot, right, when you're going to Pittsburgh to have to play the Steelers. So, you know, I don't really have a whole lot here sidewise. And then Total, I think that's probably about right. I mean, we saw the the Steelers go to MetLife Stadium and win 26-16 against the New York Giants. few more points against the Broncos last week, but a total, I believe, that still ended up in the 40s uh, when the score landed. So I just don't have a whole lot here. I don't think there's much of an edge. I kind of get the Houston money in the, in, in the spot, but the schedule – like is just so hard for them, and I don't think the Texans are bad, but I certainly don't think they're on the level of Pittsburgh, Baltimore, or Kansas City. So I'm hesitant to back them here. Yeah, I think I think Houston is really struggling. It's it's hard to believe that trading the best receiver in football would adversely impact your offense. I just, <laughs> You see what he's doing in Arizona and how right. dynamic they seem to look. I don't have anything official on this either, but it looks like Houston's going to be one of the trendier dogs of the week, which kind of makes me think back Pittsburgh. They they laid an egg in the second half on defense against a quarterback they probably didn't really factor into the game plan in Driscoll when Locke went down. So I think – I think they'll be able to game plan here on defense a little more. I, I think they can. Uh, I think they could win in cover. I haven't played anything yet, but I would. I would lean that way. Yeah, I, I think that is probably the side if you are to look at it. But yeah, not much for me either in that game between Houston and Pittsburgh. I did play 
Pittsburgh season long over their nine and a half win total and to win the AFC North. So I'll certainly uh, probably be rooting for the black and gold, despite not a whole lot of uh, week three coin invested in that game. Let's move forward and uh, go back to MetLife Stadium. Just talked about it with the Steelers visiting the Giants in week one. Now we have the San Francisco 49ers laying three and a half on the cross country trip. Actually, they stayed uh, in, I think it was West Virginia. I read that that they were staying in, having just played at MetLife Stadium last week against the Jets. They are a three-and-a-half-point favorite here, total of 41-and-a-half. And obviously, the big story in this game is all of the injuries for San Francisco. Most importantly, quarterback Jimmy Garoppolo is not going to – well, uh, Nick Bosa and Solomon Thomas are out on the defensive line, but and I believe Richard Sherman is still out for this game. But when we look at the offense – you're not going to have Jimmy Garoppolo, and maybe that doesn't matter a ton because they don't ask him to do a lot when you think about that offense, especially not in the first two games this year when they didn't have Debo Samuel and George Kittle didn't play last week. So, um, Alex, I know you kind of like the total here, but for me, I'm just going to stay away. Uh, there's This is one of those games that I have zero interest in paying any attention to, and not to say that I wouldn't gamble on that kind of game. If there's a competitive edge, then I'm all for it. But I just got to see that Giants offense. Maybe maybe the Giants come out, right, and and just say, what do we have to lose? We have a first-year coach. We just lost Saquon Barkley. Let's just let Danny Dimes zing it around the field and see what happens. And so in that kind of spot, it makes me hesitant to really look at anything side or total-wise because I just don't know what the Giants are going to try and do offensively because I don't expect them to have any semblance of a run game. They did bring in Devonta Freeman this week, but this is just a game that I have a hard read on in any direction. I know you like the under, though. Yeah, I'm I'm going back to the well. I'm I'm going under. I got 41. Um, Just so many injuries, Niners. I would probably lean Giants as well. That seems a little high for the amount of players that the Niners have out. But Jimmy G didn't practice today. Looks like no uh, Mostert, which is their entire running game. Um, no Saquon. No, no Tevin Coleman either. I think it's going to be Jarek McKinnon. Yeah, yep. back it's going to be McKinnon. I think they they have to be thinking about the turf. I know they were complaining about the plane surface throughout the week, so that's got to be in the back of their you mind. That makes them just try and go more conservatively offensively anyway. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. This feels like just a get-in, get-out type of game. Um, feels like just a prime letdown spot coming off an easy game against the Jets. And the Giants have actually been playing pretty so you, well. You would lean Giants better. on the side? I would, I would lean the Giants as well, um, plus four. Just the injuries, it's so tough to handicap, which makes me – want to take the under with all the injuries on the offensive side for both teams. No Sterling Shepard. Like we said, Saquon's out for the year. Total no sitting Mostert. at 41 and a half right now. Did you, is that the number you took? I got 41. 41. I, I would, okay. Yeah, I would, I would take that again. For sure. Let's keep things moving. And we are going to head to the Midwest. Uh, my, the state that I live in now, and that's Minnesota. The Vikings are hosting the Tennessee Titans. Titans, two-and-a-half-point shock on the highway, a total of 49-and-a-half in this game. Alex, we talked about this before we hopped on. This feels like the trappiest line of the week, and 
it just feels like a Minnesota pass type situation for that reason, because you look at the short number and short road favorites are like something that I just almost never bet because it just screams trap because the number obviously is shorter on the favorite because they are on the road. Uh, and so much so to where it looks like, oh, my God, here we are. The Tennessee Titans, less than a field goal. They were just in the AFC Championship game. Now they're 2-0, and probably the favorites in the AFC South. And the Vikings look like, you know, words I'm not going to say on the air. Like, they just looks like a total mess there in Minnesota right now. They can't uh, play with a lead. You know, the defense is a train wreck. The offense, I'm sorry, the secondary can't stop anybody. Uh, the pass rush has not been there without Daniil Hunter, who's still on IR, uh, even though they traded for Yannick Ngonkwe. And the big problem for Minnesota is they, when you can't play with a lead, you have to rely on Kirk Cousins more, and he absolutely laid a total egg last week in Indianapolis. So for Minnesota, I think it's pretty simple. They want to be able to run the football with Dalvin Cook and play with that lead. And Jacksonville last week against Tennessee had some success running the football. They had 165 yards uh, collectively rushing on the ground, and James Robinson, the undrafted running back, has really been impressive. So I could see Dalvin Cook get going here. In a lot of ways, I think this is similar identities, right, where you have uh, teams that just want to pound the rock, running backs that just got contract extensions, um, and defenses that are a little overrated. I mean, you think about Tennessee with Mike Vrabel and Mike Zimmer coaching Minnesota, and other, both defensive minds. But Jacksonville just hung 30 on the Tennessee defense last week, and we've seen Indianapolis with 28 and Green Bay in the 40s on the Minnesota defense. So I think these are similar identities, but Tennessee obviously has just had more success uh, against uh, its opponents this year, and and the Vikings just look like a complete mess. So you would think this line would be uh, longer than just the two and a half, and for that reason, I I just have to stay away from this game because – uh, it just looks way too trappy to take Tennessee here. So I don't know how you see it, but that's how I'm eyeing it up. Yeah, I'm seeing the same thing. I want absolutely nothing to do with this game. What is going on with these defenses and just defense in general? Overs crushed right. me last week. They were 11-5. and five. All my unders got killed. I just – what is going on with these you know, defenses? It's funny you say that because I heard – things going into week one about how in the lockout season, I guess it was 2011 or 2012, that it was similar because the tackling was not like teams weren't like tackling a ton to the ground because they didn't have the full off seasons. And so they were kind of afraid about injuries and training camp. And so that led to just some sloppy tackling. That's one thing. You would think it would be the inverse where offenses would just not be in rhythm and there would be some continuity problems, but I I think it's the defense is just not being assignment sound and not tackling well. And to be honest, I'm running out of words. Yeah, go ahead. I I think the tackling is huge. I I think – that lack of live action in the preseason really goes a long way. But I came into the season thinking that offenses would probably take a step back. Like, But when you think about it, the defense 
solely reacts, so the offense knows what's coming. The lack of tackling, the lack of reps, it, it seems to be playing a factor. Though. Right. You would just... think, like, the lack of reps would, like, that would hurt you in terms of reacting because if you have more reps and you see more looks, you might react quicker if you see something. Obviously, you're in practice, you're going against your teammates, but, you know, if you see things, if the scout team offenses are doing things the right way and they're giving the defense good looks, like you would think that you would be more prepared and you would kind of, as you said, be able to wrap up and make the tackles. Like maybe just the fact that defenses don't have these reps from the off season and they're not as conceptually sound with what other offenses might do. I'm, I'm just, I'm reaching here a little because as you said, the offenses have been a surprise, and, and we saw that last week, bringing it back to this game with, with Tennessee and Jacksonville, 33-30 final for Tennessee. So uh, I, I just don't know. like, But at the same time, I don't want to take it over with Minnesota because their offense was a train wreck last year. So I, I don't really have a, a good feel for that. I, I was actually thinking this. it feels a little high, the number. If both teams' identity is on the ground, you would think that bleeds the clock a bit. But And you're not going to see just, A.J. Brown, most likely, for Tennessee. So, you know. It's just tough. It's tough to trust either of these defenses right now. I can't believe I'd be saying that in week three. These are defense and run the ball type of teams. Right. No, I'm with you. So, yeah, 49 and a half does seem like a high total here, but – Again, we have a very unproven Minnesota secondary, and um, we did see Jacksonville gash Tennessee quite a bit last week on the ground. So this could be a nice spot for Dalvin Cook. Uh, but, again, that line just weirds me out too much. I am passing this game and moving on. Let's keep going in the rotation. Uh, 4-7-1, the Washington football team traveling to 4-7-2, the Cleveland Browns. Cleveland laying seven at home, coming off that Thursday night victory in week two over the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, and we have a 45 uh, being hung right now on bet online for the total. This is another game, Alex, that I don't have a good read on, and I'm just going to pass it because just the rule of thumb for me in you know betting the NFL, when we have teams like the Browns that are – all of a sudden thrusted into the heavy favorite role, I am very hesitant to run to the window with them. And that doesn't mean that I want Washington here. But maybe people, and I know opinions are the last few seasons have been pretty divided on Cleveland. And maybe people are buying them. And if you like the Browns, they look good last week. And you should have gotten that cover laying the six. If you like the Browns, I could kind of see where you're, you know, why you would want to lay the touchdown, but I don't love the Browns. I just think they're an average team. I didn't like them at all last year with Kitchens and Stefanski. I mean, it's a it's a wait and see for me with him. So I, I really have not been involved in in Browns games much. Uh, I did take the under last week, which was a miss in a big way in, in the prime time game on Thursday Night Football. But I just. Cleveland, for me, is a team that I don't really think I'm going to be betting on or against a ton this year. It's, I, you know, if you want to make the case for a post-type sleeper this year, maybe, but I still think Pittsburgh and Baltimore are far superior in that division. And then Washington, I will say this, and this is also why I'm passing the game. Washington is not great. We all know that. They're, they're, they're obviously probably a four- or five-win team. 
But they do compete and play hard. We see that we saw them take advantage of an undermanned Philadelphia team in week one. And even last week, Arizona got ahead by three, four scores in that game. And the final score ended up being 30 to 15. So Washington played to the final buzzer. And I think that's a good sign that Ron Rivera still has, uh, you know, the guys playing hard for him. Uh, They're just not that good, obviously. So, you know, I don't really want Washington, but I don't really want to lay seven with Cleveland. Uh, You know, and as far as the total goes, uh, we're seeing 45. You know, Cleveland put up a lot of points last week, but they laid an egg week one against Baltimore, and we know about that Washington defensive line. So maybe Baker Mayfield is under duress a lot in this game. There's just too much uncertainty for me to like anything here. Yeah, should Cleveland be seven-point favorite against anyone? That, right, exactly. That's my thing with the teams that I was mentioning where it's like, well, we don't really know what they are, but they're thrusted into this heavy favorite role, so why should I run to back them? Yeah, it's just, it feels way too high. But a little trend for their favor is um, teams that are 0-2 against the spread, which is the Browns, unfortunately, with that backdoor cover. Teams that are own two against the spread perform very well in week three. So the last four seasons, they're twenty two and seven against the spread in week three. That number just it does feel high, but I'm also I'm not running to the window to back Washington either. Um starting tackle Morgan Moses didn't practice today and Brandon Sheriff, their best guard, is out. That that offensive line just feels really beat up. I don't know how Washington can move the ball. Initially, I was thinking over because neither of these defenses are great outside of Washington's front seven. I just don't I don't think I can get there. Yeah, no, and, and that's kind of all I have on this, too. There's this, and uh, we talked about um, the uh, Washington-Cleveland game, and, and at least for me with the San Francisco Giants game, just two games that – I really have no interest in whatsoever. Let's keep things moving and go to the East Coast where the Philadelphia Eagles welcome in the Cincinnati Bengals. Philadelphia laying four and a half at home. Number 474 in the rotation are the Eagles. Total of 46 and a half in this one. Uh, I'll just start by saying sidewise, I cannot lay any points really with the Eagles right now. I mean, Jalen Rager, their first round pick, just hit the IR with a uh, UCL, a torn UCL in his thumb. Uh, so he is going to be out for, it looks like, about two months. Um, and, you know, you do have Cincinnati also with the extra time off the Thursday game. Um, and, and Cincinnati has taken money in this game, by the way. And I think it is just off the fact that Philadelphia is not a team you should be looking to lay a ton of points with. Uh, I saw Eagles open at six and a half in this game, uh, and we are now seeing Cincinnati down to four and a half. So I think that is more about just the Eagles having not played well and Carson Wentz not looking good and the Eagles' defense really struggling last week against the Rams, and now the Eagles losing one of their rookie receivers, as I mentioned, and Jalen Rager. Uh, total of 46 and a half, I initially felt over. Because of how bad the Eagles offense, or I'm sorry, the Eagles defense played last week. And, you know, even in a game where Carson Wentz makes some mistakes, uh, like he did against the Rams last week, uh, the Eagles offense was able to score enough points to 
at least be in the game at certain points. And while the Rams got off to a good start, uh, the Eagles ended up with 19 points in that game. And granted, they were gifted a short field on a Cooper Cup fumble. But, you know, I think if you can score 19 on the Rams defense, you can probably get into the upper 20s on a really bad Cincinnati defense. Uh, but I, I just I don't really want to trust anything about the Eagles right now, even the offense, which obviously didn't look that good against Washington in the week one opener. So I'll, I'll stay away here. Uh, fantasy people, I do think Miles Sanders is a good look here with it looks like Mike Daniels and Geno Atkins. The D tackle is probably not going to go for Cincinnati, but uh, not much here that um, I'm looking at to play here. And I think you're in agreement there, Alex. Yeah, nothing official for me. This does feel like a great buy-low spot on the Eagles, but so did last week, and we saw how that turned out. Right, and, and the Eagles are a match for that 0-2 against the spread uh, trend. Yeah. yeah, and the Bengals, the, their defense is just so poor. It's, it's, I feel like Vegas is just begging me here to take the six, which – in my brain kind of makes me want to take the Eagles minus six. Just feels like the perfect buy low spot at home. Desperate team. They have to wow, win the game. Wow, you're still at six on this game. Yeah, that's what I saw earlier. What are we looking at now? I don't want to sit at four and a half Eagles. Oh, wow. So Cincinnati okay. has to money. Oh, wow. Yeah, that's a that's a that's quite the disparagement. Um, yeah, I I think I would probably play Philly at four and a half. Maybe this could get even lower to four. This seems like a trendy spot just with how bad we've seen Philly look. So I think the public will probably even be backing the Bengals with Joe Burrow looking like Hamer yeah, already good. through two. Yeah, he's looked great. Ultimately, though, I, I just I don't want to lay over a field goal with an Eagles team right now that really looks to have a lot of problems and uh, offensive line is in shambles and they might get Alshon Jeffrey back this week and it's a receiving yeah, quarterback. It's tough. Yeah, does that does that even really help? I, I don't even much? know if that tells me. Yeah, I don't know. He couldn't really spread the field last year. And Darius yeah, Light has been good on, in the defensive backfield, but gosh, other than that, there's just not a lot to hang your head on right now with the Eagles. And maybe this is a get-right spot and maybe they're going to pour it on because I will say – the next three games for the Eagles at San Francisco, at Pittsburgh, and home against Baltimore. So they better win this game, you know. <laughs> yeah, could the, could the Eagles be without a win on the next four games? That's, that's tough to imagine. Very, very possible. And I will say for the Survivor folks out there, I would probably still stay away from the Eagles. It's a tough week for Survivor unless you want to run with the Colts, and maybe you do. Um, we've talked about this before we hopped on. I don't love a lot of these four to seven point favorites uh, who would normally be who you would target in a survivor pool. But let's keep things moving uh, before we take our break and head down south to Hotlanta, where we have the Atlanta Falcons hosting the Chicago Bears. Atlanta laying a field goal in this one at Bet Online, total of 47 and a half. And this is also one of my favorite spots of the week. And I know, Alex, we've talked about it before the Atlanta Falcons. You get suckered in on them, and you just look at Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones and now Hayden Hurst and, you know, Todd Gurley's there, and, oh, look at this offense. Well, the offense actually has been performing, and it's been performing to a 
you know, very capable degree. But the reason why this is my favorite spot is because the whole week, you know, Dallas and Atlanta was one of the biggest storylines and talked about games this week from week two. And rightfully so. With the comeback Dallas had, obviously the Cowboys are a team that everybody's going to talk about win or loss. And the onside kick, all that, I get it. But it just feels like everybody's forgetting what happened in the first 59 minutes of this game, or 50 minutes, let's say, where Atlanta dominated. And they were moving the ball up and down the field with ease against the Dallas defense. Uh, and Dallas looked out of sorts. They were uh, Zeke had a couple fumbles. So... From a gambling perspective, I saw enough there where it's like, all right, Atlanta's offense looked good against Dallas. They looked really good against Seattle, and they were just happened to be up against Russell Wilson. So they're losing these high-scoring games. And I know that they're facing a much better defense in Chicago this week. But is Mitch Trubisky really going to keep up with this Atlanta offense? I, I don't think so. And Chicago is, I believe, the most fraudulent 2-0 team in the league. With a win against the Lions, where Detroit dominated the first three quarters. And then they hang on for dear life against the Giants, who look like they're headed for another top-five pick in the NFL draft. So, maybe Dan Quinn doesn't last the season, but he's going to be safe for this week, because Atlanta's going to win this game, and I don't think it's going to be that close I'd lay the three, and again, for the Survivor folks out there, I think Atlanta is a sneaky Survivor pick this week. I love the Falcons. And maybe I'm going to get bit in the rear end like you always do when you bet the Falcons, but I'm betting the Falcons. Can Dan Quinn get this team up, though, after such a devastating loss? I'm not that confident in his coaching abilities at all. Yeah, no, that's a fair point. And I mean, gosh, since the Super Bowl, they have not recovered. But the, yeah, the Bears, like you said, very fraudulent. This team could easily be 0-2. It took a DeAndre Swift drop in the end zone, and then the uh, Giants that come with the back. That's the last week to win the game. Yeah, the Giants were there with a with a chance to win it as well. This could easily be an 0-2 team. There's just no way you can trust Mitch Trubisky. I I would play, I would play the Falcons if I had to here, even though it's brutal. It's a tough. It's like a hold your nose and just just pick them. <laughs> exactly, like Van Pelt always says when he does winners, hold your nose and just hang on for dear life with the Falcons. <laughs> but I think you're going to win if you bet the Falcons this week. I really do. Let's take a break. We'll come back and get into the late afternoon games and the rotation on the other side. Even though sports had a break, your business did not. You have to keep moving. And that makes hiring more important than ever. Indeed is here to help. Indeed.com is the number one job site in the world because Indeed gets you the best people and fast. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need. You can pause your account at any time and there are no long-term contracts. Plus, Indeed provides powerful tools to make your search that much easier. Like sponsored jobs, which are shown to be three and a half times more likely to result in a hire. With 73% of online job seekers visiting Indeed each month, Indeed is going to get you the most important hire you need, just like they have for over 3 million businesses. Right now, 
Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is the best offer anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Offer valid through September 30th. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action on Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team player and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off on wagering wins division, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use the promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. And we're back here on Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. My name is Greg Frank. You can find me and all of my gambling picks on Twitter at Undercover Greg. Joined by our producer and uh, turned co-host now, Alex Uplinger, at full underscore slate underscore pod is where you can find him managing our podcast Twitter. You know, Alex, before we get into these games, we talked about it before we hopped on, that Somebody who makes the NFL schedule must have been listening because we actually have one, two, three, four, five late afternoon games to talk about. And norm in the last first few weeks, we were complaining about that imbalance. It's just I don't like having all those games at one o'clock, and now we have a little bit more of an even split. No, especially for people watching on Red Zone, that four o'clock window when you only have three games going on at once is not not nearly as much action as the one o'clock window is. So, right. And now we have seven one o'clocks and five four o'clocks. I take this every week if we could get it that way. Probably not going to be the case, especially when the bye weeks start happening. But let's enjoy it for this week. And let's start with a game that we're probably not going to spend a whole lot of time on. And that's the New York Jets catching 11 and a half points, 477 in the rotation, visiting 478, the Indianapolis Colts. Total of 44 here. Alex, I have no interest in this game. As we were talking before we hopped on, I'd be hesitant to use Indy just because everyone's going to use them, and I never like to go where everyone goes. Um, and last week we talked about it with Minnesota. That felt more like Minnesota's ineptitude and Kirk Cousins throwing all those interceptions than it did Indianapolis actually proving anything. Uh, Jonathan Taylor did run for over 100 yards, and you would think that this could be a nice spot for him with game script being in his favor, uh, but I sure don't want to lay 11.5 with a Colts team that I don't think is that good. Total of 44, we talked about it, the bad beat on the Jets-Niners total last week. Who knows when these games get out of hand, how that impacts the total. I just don't see anything here that I want to bet, and the Jets, I mean, it's uh, Trevor Lawrence time already there. So, no thank you. I want Absolutely nothing to do with this. Like you were saying, Colts are definitely going to be a, a trendy survivor pool pick, which what does that really gain you? It just gets you to another week with 
everyone else when the Colts inevitably win. Spread just feels way too high to play. But this could be uh, maybe another Jets team total under. It worked worked for me last week. Sure. This could be another spot there. But Indy's defense just has not looked good at all. Right. Yeah, the Jags and Gardner Minshew were able to put up some points on them. And, you know, Indy, I looked at their schedule. It looks pretty soft in the first half of the year. But I don't know how you felt about this team moving into the year. But I thought that the Titans, as far as the gambling market, were being – severely underpriced. I got the Titans at plus 170 to win the division, and Indy was close to even money to win this division, and that just felt like a mistake in the market. I love that number. It's just new quarterback and that quarterback being Phillip Rivers. I don't know how you could see Indy and we just favorite in the new quarterback. He just lost Paris Campbell for the year, and T.Y. Hilton has not looked like T.Y. Hilton. So, you know, Jonathan Taylor is an exciting player, but – if they're just going to be handing the ball off to Jonathan Taylor a lot, I think that speaks to the point I'm getting at, that if we knew going into the year that this was going to be a game-managing Phillip Rivers, I'm not saying that's a bad decision for the Colts, but I don't think that you're, you would have been getting the Titans at close to 2-1 to one to win this division. So I, I just think from the gambling market, win total, odds to win the division, Super Bowl, Indy was not somebody I wanted any piece of. No, I can't. I can't back Philip Rivers in that market either. I, I think that's a really good play on the division you got there. That's a good number, too. Appreciate that. Let's keep things moving and go out west where the Carolina Panthers head cross country to take on the Los Angeles Chargers. Total of six and a, I'm sorry, total of 44 in this game. The Chargers are a six and a half point favorite. Uh, and I'm going to back the road dog here. And we talked a little bit about the 0 2 teams um, that were 0 2 obviously both against the spread, uh, but when you pile that on, 0-2 teams against the spread and straight up, going all the way back to 2003, those teams in week three, when they're 0-2 against spread, 0-2 straight up, are 56-36 in, in the last 82 spots uh, in week three. That's almost 61% against the spread. That's pretty strong. And let's look at Carolina here. Alex, I know you had the Raiders in week one, but you were sweating that out. Carolina played well, and the Raiders were able to cover by the hook, winning 34-30 as a a three-and-a-half-point favorite. But Carolina was right there. And then in week two, while Tampa Bay got out to a 21-0 lead, Carolina did not quit. And new head coach, brand-new staff – Matt Rule and Joe Brady are there, and those guys did not give up. They got to within seven at 21-14, and then Leonard Fournette, with a late touchdown run, gets Tampa Bay the front door cover. And so Carolina has been right there as far as against the spread. And when we get to this game, I know Christian McCaffrey won't play, and he's an explosive player, and... I don't want to take anything away from him. But Carolina still has some other weapons on this offense. D.J. Moore, Curtis Samuel, Robbie Anderson, fourth in the National Football League in receiving yards through two weeks. And I think they'll be able to at least have a competent running game with Mike Davis. So I'm not really that worried about the Carolina offense. And, oh, by the way, I talked about – we've talked about this before, Teddy Bridgewater – 
All he does is cover, and I know they're 0-2 against the spread, but the Panthers have been right in these games. And then when we look at the Chargers side, I think long-term, the, absolutely the right play is to start Justin Herbert here. But and, and he might be right now even better than Terod Taylor. But do you really want to lay touchdown here? Six and a half, seven? I got this at seven with Carolina. Do you really want to lay that kind of a number with Justin Herbert? Because while Carolina's defense is one of the worst defenses in the NFL, they at least now know that they're seeing Justin Herbert, which Kansas City did not last week. All of that makes me like Carolina here. Um, I'm going to take the points, and as I said earlier with the survivor pools, where it's like if you don't want to take Indy, it does get a little hairy. That's why I went with Atlanta. Because some of these touchdown favorites that you might want to look at, like I just don't know that I'm ready to trust the Chargers yet. Maybe Justin Herbert looks like a rookie here, and and this game could potentially be an outright win for Carolina, but I certainly expect it to be a cover. Panthers plus the points. Do we know if Herbert's officially starting yet, or has that not been announced? Are they still waiting on Taylor? Last I saw that it was going to be Herbert. So uh, okay. I don't know that that's been officially announced. Maybe it's just been reported widely, but I would be shocked if Taylor started. I I can't believe Anthony Lynn. What an asshole. How is he going to throw Herbert under the bus like that? He played very well, and, and he says he made so many rookie mistakes. I think that was just coach speak for our team doctor fucked up and punctured well, that Taylor's lung. Let's remember Anthony Lynn was on the staff in Buffalo when Terod Taylor was a the quarterback there. So Okay, so he's a soft spot for Taylor. He might, he might have seriously wanted to try and ride out Terod Taylor a little more. but Okay, if he genuinely did, then he's he's an idiot. Herbert looks <laughs> great. I, I, would, I would love the Panthers if Taylor played. Um, I'm a little nervous with Herbert, but they do have a week of tape on him. That Carolina defense is just so bad. They're desperately missing Luke Keekly now. For sure, yeah. So they enough an official. Free they have completely overhauled on that side of the ball. They took a defender with every pick in the draft this past spring. Yeah, that's incredible. So they're really young on defense, which is, is showing. This, this totally feels a little low. Do we expect the Chargers? Yeah, there's no doubt the Panthers are going to be good over team this year. I mean, we've already seen – the overs hit in their first two games, but do we expect the Chargers to come out and really take some chances then with Herbert? Like, do you think that they're going to be uh, willing to take some risks and expose the Carolina defense in any way they can? I think if Lynn was competent, which I don't think he is, I think they would try to take some shots. I'm I'm not sold on Lynn at all, but Herbert looked really good, so it makes me a little nervous. But a touchdown feels way too high. This seems to be more of like a, maybe a, a four-point type of spread than seven. Seven feels really high. That's what I'm this. saying. I think you're getting like a field goal's worth of value here on Carolina. Absolutely. I would I would lean that way. I would also look to the over just because I don't think Carolina can stop much of anything, right. Herbert or Taylor. Let's keep things moving and go from Los Angeles to the desert where we have the Arizona Cardinals laying five and a half, I'm seeing – on bet online total of 55 in this game. This is one of the highest totals on the board in week three uh, against the Detroit Lions, who have been a very big disappointment through two games. Um, but 
I'm hanging in there. Lions were a team I was big on preseason, and I am going back to the well for one last week. Maybe if they burn me this week, we will officially break up. But Desmond Trufant might be back for them in the secondary, which is big because they were they still have Justin Coleman on the IR. I don't think he's going to be back. Well, definitely not for this week because he's going to miss at least three games. So we'll see there. Jeff Okuda, the youngster, was thrown to the Wolves having to guard Devontae Adams in his opening game in the NFL because he did not play in week one either. So I think if Trufant comes back, that obviously helps the secondary. And they did get gashed on the ground last week too by Aaron Jones. So defensively, I understand that Detroit leaves a lot to be desired. But they're getting Kenny Galladay back, which I think is really important for their offense uh, because we've seen their offense score in the 20s the last couple weeks. And you get Galladay back, he can give you some big plays. I know that he dropped the touchdown in week one, but DeAndre Swift was an integral part of their passing game out of the backfield last week. So you would think that the rookie gets more involved as well. Uh, And that was really what got me excited about the Lions was the fact that they didn't have Stafford, and they were in all these close games last year, and I like their offense with those skill players, Galladay, Swift, uh, TJ Hawkinson, a tight end that I like, Marvin Jones, a reliable second receiver. So while this is a high total, I would probably still lean to the over. I just think Stafford and the boys are going to get theirs, and I have to think there is some positive regression for the Lions on the defensive side of the ball. And then let's talk a little bit about Arizona. They're dealing with some expectations now, okay? All of a sudden now, the Arizona Cardinals are 2-0. and And their next three games are this game against Detroit, and then they play uh, at Carolina, and then they play the Jets. So there's a lot of people already penciling Arizona in at 5-0, and and then that sixth game is the Dallas Cowboys on Monday Night Football. So I think there's this presumption that the Cardinals are going to be undefeated going into the Monday night game, and it's going to be this big Monday night shebang in week six. Maybe so, but I think let's slow our roll a little bit on Arizona. They looked great in week one against San Francisco, and it was just Washington last week. I just think these teams, as I talked about a little bit with Cleveland, where it's like, well, we didn't really like think that there were serious, serious expectations for them. Arizona, I think, was kind of a trendy upset pick to make the playoffs or maybe win the division. But now they have to deal with those expectations where if you're a Cardinals fan, you're probably already thinking playoffs. And I think they're going to let you down. I don't think they will be 5-0 and going into that Cowboys game. I think they're going to lose, slip up somewhere here, whether it's Detroit or going east to face the Panthers or the Jets. I just think we're going to see a game and it's like, oh, yep, like still the Cardinals. You're giving me five and a half points. I'm going to take them. As I said, I might be breaking up with the Lions after this week, but 0-2 straight up and against the spread. We talked about it with Carolina. It applies to Detroit. Give me the Lions. Again, plug in my nose, Alex. <laughs> <laughs> I am officially off the Lions bandwagon. I have I burned my, my virtual uh, NFC, NFC North tickets. I am, I'm done. I am done with the lines. They will not cover here. They're going to lose by double digits. They have one of the worst defenses in the NFL. They have two sacks on the season. They have zero takeaways. They also give up the most rushing yards through two. 
give me Kyler Murray in that explosive offense. I think he is going to have a field day. The Lions can't stop anyone. When uh, Trufant went down, Trubisky just drove the field with these 21 unanswered in the fourth quarter. That's absolutely outrageous. Trufant was limited in practice today. I am taking the Cardinals. They're going to win, and they're going to cover, and I'm very confident on this play. Wow, he is very confident. Well, I hope you're wrong because I'm hanging in one more week with the Lions, and, again, maybe I'll lose again. And I'm just gonna Murray, MVP. Wrong. Are you in on him, well, MVP, as well? With Allen? Yeah, I have a small play on him, MVP. Um, his odds have been almost cut in half now. I think I saw – Plus 1,200, and I think it opened about plus 2,400, 2,500. I just want to ask one other thing. This is uh, as the gambling community continues to grow, it's something that you see pop up on a weekly basis, and it applies here with the first coach fired. You ever ever take a shot on that? Because obviously Patricia very much on the hot seat with with Detroit and Adam Gase, who knows if he'll last the season with the Jets. You ever uh, take that or no? <laughs> I have not. I I don't like to to root for someone to lose their job, but I right. <laughs> I do think there's I do think there's some serious value in that. I think I think Dan Quinn. I think he might have the third best odds. I think that would be a good look. Right. Yeah, for sure. I mean, uh, and here I am betting on the Lions and the Falcons this week. So Patricia kind of has a an out with Stafford out last year. Right. You they would think Patricia might at least last the year. Right. I I can't say the same for Gase, obviously, should be the favorite. But they also kind of have an out, too, with injuries and, yeah, I don't know. Well, I, and, and when you look at I mean, they traded Jamal Adams, so it's like maybe they're just completely right. building there. And exactly. So just, maybe you'd hold off on making a coaching change. Yeah, but. so obviously they kind of gave up on the year without Adams and Mosley, so – does that kind of give Gase an out? I don't think Dan Quinn has an out now, especially right. after that game last week. Right, because remember, we, you know, a year ago, everybody was thinking, like, how did Quinn even make it through the year? Right, right. <laughs> they played hard for him at the end of the year after blowing that Super Bowl. Yeah, right. I, I think I think Quinn has some value if that's something you like to play. <laughs> I would probably lean that way. I don't really play it either. I was just uh, poking around a little bit. So some yeah, head-to-head I, action. I like the Lions, though. Catching the five and a half. Let's keep things moving and go to the Mile High City where we have the Denver Broncos, a six-point home underdog against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Total of 43 in this game. Kind of a low total for that Tampa Bay offense that everybody talked about and talked about and talked about. Uh, But I love a home team getting points. I think a lot of people do, and that's where I'm going here. I, I think the Broncos are very live to win this game outright. 73-22, I'm sorry, 75-23-2 straight up at home in September since 1970. Obviously, that's a lot of games. It's the altitude early in the season coming into play. Teams not fully adjusted. Uh, In the case of Tampa Bay, let's also remember, this is an out-of-conference game. So how many Bucks have ever played? in Denver before in their lives. Uh, You know, it's something to consider because you alternate every four years with the division you play out of the conference, and then you have to go to the other stadium when you rotate back. So they won't play in Denver again until 2028. 
So I think that altitude impact is very real here with an NFC team traveling to Denver. And including playoff games, the only team in the National Football League that Tom Brady has a losing record against is the Denver Broncos. I know that this is a Denver team that doesn't have Von Miller. They don't have A.J. Boyer on defense, but their defense has held their own. That was an ugly game on Monday Night Football in Week 1 against Tennessee. Uh, And for the most part, they're against Denver, I'm sorry, against Pittsburgh. I mean, the Pittsburgh offense didn't go crazy last week against Denver. So Denver is competing. They are staying in games 0-2 straight up, but 2-0 against the spread. And this is another thing that we talked about before we hopped on. I do think the backup quarterback factor can be over-accounted for sometimes. And if you're going to give me close to a touchdown here, Jeff Driscoll, I don't think that's a huge downgrade because he played a little bit for the Lions last year when Stafford went out. I think he can at least move the football enough here to where they can score in the upper teens, maybe even the low 20s. We've seen Noah Fant really explode early on as a good weapon, even though they don't have Cortland Sutton. Maybe you get these rookies more involved, Jerry Judy, K.J. Hamler. I just think this Denver offense is going to be able to do enough to score, and it's a Tampa Bay offense that I think will struggle. I think Denver's, as I said, very live on the money line. Give me the six points, Broncos, at home. I think there's definitely something to the altitude. Um, also, home teams last week, they were 11-5 and five straight up. That could be a, a good look for the, for the home dog. I have... I have nothing on this game, but I would probably lean Denver. I, I do like what they did on offense, and their defense has been surprisingly pretty well, especially without Vaughn Miller, which is surprising to overcome that. Um, I think the the Bucks are kind of in their preseason right now with a with a new quarterback, and they're For still sure. adjusting to that. And Brady looked better, but not great. I I don't love. The Bucks offense, but I would probably look to the under here if, if I didn't get crushed last week on by the overs. <laughs> yeah, no, I think the under is a good look here because if you think that the Bucks are going to be impacted by the altitude and might still be a little out of sync, I mean, Brady threw another interception last week. He threw two against New Orleans. Uh, so uh, I think that's probably uh, the right play here on the total. As I said, only 43 here. I think that's telling you something, right, where – um, the over in some cases, if you think that if you're in on Tampa Bay, the over almost just feels too easy at, at just 43. Because then, if you can get Tampa up in the upper 20s, you would think that the over could cash. But no, I, I agree with you uh, that the under would be where I'm looking to on the total. Let's go to the final game in the late afternoon slate: four eight five, the Dallas Cowboys heading to the Pacific Northwest at four eight six. The Seattle Seahawks, Dallas is catching five points at Seattle, and we have a total of 55 and a half here. And I don't have a whole lot on the side here. Dallas is another one of those 0-2 ATS teams. Granted, of course, the Cowboys had the comeback win to get to 1-1 straight up last week. Uh, But I I do think I'm going to hold off, hold off, hold off, and then uh, take the under in... Dallas and Seattle. Speaking of hold off, hold off, hold off. I think the going back to the Denver-Tampa Bay game, if I have a good 1 o'clock slate, I might be willing to toss a unit on that Denver money line because I do think Denver could win the game. It could be one of those things where if things go off to a good start and I'm feeling lucky, 
I might do it. And that's kind of how I'm looking here. I'm, I'm leaning under. Uh, and I know it feels crazy, right, because the Dallas secondary is a little banged up. Uh, Trayvon Diggs did return to practice for them today, the rookie out of Alabama. Um, and we saw Matt Ryan really slice them up last week. But when Dallas went to the Rams in week one, we saw a relatively low-scoring game, all things considered. And obviously the Rams have some weapons in their own right. And so I was a little surprised uh, to see that, you know, well, maybe not surprised might not be the right word, but I was kind of eager to look at this under. Uh, but I know, obviously, with Ross and Dak, there's going to be over money that comes in. So I think I'm just going to wait this out. The Cowboys have been a good under team on the road. Now 28-13 and 13 to the under since September 20th, 2015. I don't know that there's anything to that, but one reason or another, their offense just isn't as explosive on the road. And I think the Cowboys, given the fact that their secondary is dinged up, they're probably going to want to try and come after Russell Wilson and hit him a lot. Um, maybe some positive regression or some negative regression, I should say, for the Seattle offense. I'm going to lean to the under here, but I think I'm just going to hold off and hope that number gets even higher because, as I said, right now we're already seeing 55.5. This is the highest total on the board in week three. Sidewise, not much. Uh, probably lean to Dallas, catching the five points. Kind of a statement opportunity for them to kind of prove that they didn't play that well last week and they know it. And now here's their chance to you know, prove they're in the conversation with the rest of the NFL elites. Uh, but but I'm not there yet on Dallas. Not a good enough 60-minute performance by any means last week. So I'll pass aside, and as I said, I think I'll probably end up on the under by kickoff here. I would wait as well. This feels like the public is going to come in and hammer that over no matter the number, just seeing what both teams put up last week, 40 and 35 respectively. That's a lot of points. These are both... Very good offenses, and like you said, there's some concerning injuries on both fronts. Um, Vander Esch out on the IR, yeah, the collarbone. That's that's got to be hard. Losing your middle linebacker, he's kind of the coach on the defense. And then Demarcus Lawrence was did not practice today. That also hurts the pass rush. I just don't know if they can get enough stops on either side. I would lean to the Cowboys this feels like a little bit too high of a number this seems to be a bit of an overreaction to what we've seen from Seattle because um, they they did not stop Cam Newton and did not win to that offense either and Cowboys couldn't get a single stop until the very end so this feels like over all the way which kind of makes me want to play the under as weird as that sounds right it's almost just like a straight contrarian play to a degree where you try and talk yourself into the under and then you're like, well, there's just not enough reasons to take the under, but then you realize the total's so high and everybody's going to be on the over anyway. Let's just take the under. Yeah, uh, this this looks, like a, looks like a big 12 matchup. Right, exactly. So uh, I think, as I said, I'll probably be on the under by kickoff there. Let's go to the primetime games to wrap things up here on Full Slate. We're going to the Big Easy, where we have the New Orleans Saints laying a field goal at Bet Online. Number four eight eight in the rotation are the Saints. Green Bay number four eight seven on the road here. Total of fifty two and a half here. 
And I'm going to look to the favorite, and I think I'm going to play the under in this game. I love the bounce-back opportunity for New Orleans. When we look, we talked about it before we hopped on. Green Bay has to be the trendiest dog of the week here uh, because they have scored 40 points in each of their first two games. Aaron Rodgers looks like he's just coming out and shutting up all the haters, and maybe that's true, right? Maybe everybody was wrong about Green Bay, and this offense is going to be fine even though they didn't go out and add more weapons for Rodgers. I think I'm going to lead Corso that and go not so fast here. I think this is a spot for New Orleans defense to really come out and make a statement that they just didn't have it last week. It happens. You're going to lay eggs. New Orleans, as I said, the defense just didn't look like they were into the game last week, whereas now you're giving them an opportunity against this Green Bay offense that has been one of the most discussed units in the National Football League going all the way back to the offseason for different reasons, obviously, because they spent their first two picks on Jordan Love and A.J. Dillon, positions that they didn't really need to address for 2020. But here they are with an explosive offense that has been putting up points. Having said all of that, it doesn't look like Devontae Adams is going to play with the hamstring injury for the Green Bay Packers. And obviously, that's when I think you start to see the ancillary weapons for Green Bay. When they're counted on for more production, that's when it becomes more of a problem. So if Adams is out, I definitely think New Orleans defense, even though there's no fans, going back to the Dome, they played well against Tampa. I think the defense for New Orleans turns out a good performance here. And even though Drew Brees was not throwing the ball down the field last week, they were able to run the ball, and Alvin Kamara got into the end zone, uh, and Latavius Murray is a capable between-the-tackles runner as well. Their offensive line is good. The Saints averaged 5.9 yards per carry last week, and the problem was they were trailing in pretty much the entire second half, so they couldn't run it as much. So I think if you're New Orleans, obviously your goal is to want to run the ball more with a declining Drew Brees who can't throw the ball downfield, who doesn't have Michael Thomas here. So you consider the fact that the top receiver for each team probably not going to play. I expect the Green Bay offense to come back to earth. And we don't think the New Orleans offense without Thomas is capable of big plays after what we saw last week. And they're going to be more run heavy. I love the under at 52 and a half is where I got it at. And I think I'm going to take the New Orleans side just as a, you know, not so fast to the Green Bay Packers. So I'll lay the field goal with New Orleans, and I will take the game under the total. Alex, how about you? I took the Packers early in the week, plus 3.5, but I definitely don't love it now. If if Adams doesn't play, I don't, I don't see them cashing. I would probably wait on New Orleans. I think Green Bay is going to be one of the more public sides of the week. You just see that that plus money with Rodgers, and you have to take it as a public better. So I think this could get down to maybe potentially under a field goal for New Orleans, and I think you've convinced me on the under. Like you said, the two best wideouts potentially out. Uh, Thomas definitely out. Adams trending towards being out. I just don't see how they're going to move the ball except on the ground with two explosive backs and – Jones and Kamara, so I think this is going to be a run-heavy approach. 52-and-a-half, that just feels that feels very high. Um, New Orleans is solid against a run, except last week they didn't look great, but this seems like a prime bounce-back spot for the defense to do well. Maybe Malcolm Jenkins will actually show up to the field this time. He 
I mean, he was getting embarrassed last week by Waller. Holy shit. I, yeah, I think the under is a good spot here. I'm, I'm a little hesitant after last week, but you can't let that affect you. You got to just go back to the well. Under seems like the best play of this game. So some agreement there on the total uh, in the Sunday night football game. Let's wrap things up in Baltimore, Charm City, big game, Monday night football, maybe the game of the year already in week three, and it's the Kansas City Chiefs catching the three and the hook in Baltimore, a total of 54.5 in this one. And as I mean it when I say it, I think this is just a sit-back-and-watch type game. I have zero interest in getting involved. It's obviously a high total with two premier quarterbacks in the National Football League. Um, Kansas City, I don't know if it was just a divisional road game, but they didn't look great like normal Kansas City last week against the Chargers, whereas Baltimore ran right through Houston. So, you know, maybe sidewise I'm looking to Baltimore laying the points. But then you think about, Patrick Mahomes getting over a field goal, and I don't know that I want to fade that. So um, I think it's probably a stay away um, and and just enjoy the game. I, I hate to be boring, but I just don't see much of an edge here, side or total. How about you? Greg, that is just so boring. That is against everything we preach on this podcast. <laughs> we we are betters through and through. I know something's going to come up Monday. Either you're you're chasing or you're uh, spending your winnings. We got to play this game. It's the okay. best game Where of the year. Going? So um, I I don't have a strong lean either way, but I know I'm going to play it. Um, maybe a prop. I like a prop. Maybe a, a first. First touchdown type, maybe J.K. Dobbins. They switch out Ingram and run in with Dobbins. Maybe a Lamar Jackson touchdown. I just I have to play it prime time. You can't miss these ones. But my lean says Baltimore. They just should have looked so good. They they don't really get. They haven't been exploited yet on either side of the ball. And Kansas City, it took took an incredible comeback and what what was it three. Was it three, like, 58-yard field goal attempts from Butker to, to right. beat Herbert yeah. in the Chargers? So this feels like a prime spot for Baltimore. What do you think? Yeah, I, as I said, I think I do kind of lean that way. Obviously, Baltimore choked in the playoffs last year against Tennessee, so they didn't get the opportunity to play Kansas City. So if you're thinking maybe, you know, statement chance here for the Ravens against the Super Bowl champs, I think everybody knows that they're on that level and just – had a bad game in the playoffs, but you would think that um, Baltimore, I mean, both teams obviously circled this game on the calendar, but I I just think from a uh, mental standpoint, this game could go a lot longer for Baltimore if they can win this game by, say, a touchdown or more, uh, because obviously, I mean, Kansas City, what do they need to be mentally boosted by? They just won the Super Bowl, but um, I, I do think Baltimore has been the more convincing team through two weeks. So sidewise, again, that's where I'd look. But you know, maybe maybe it is a little bit of a you know, J.K. Dobbins versus Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, the battle of the rookie running backs. Maybe maybe J.K. gets a little more burned uh, and, and Mark Ingram yields a few more carries to him. That could be an interesting look. And obviously in the prop market, he could be a little more, uh, you know, a little bit more of a value. But, um, yeah, maybe uh... – 
maybe a J.K. Dobbins anytime touchdown, depending what that number's at. This just feels like this feels it's like good luck. feels like Baltimore Super Bowl statement game, like you said. Right. They didn't get a chance to to go at the champs, so this is their chance. What are they gonna do? It's tough to to bet against Mahomes, especially at plus money. It's just that Baltimore defense is stifling. Exactly. Who came out and and held Bet, better than the Watson? Yeah, like held them Absolutely. at bench most of the game. Absolutely, I I think I would lean Baltimore here. Well, there we have it. Some kind of agreement there on the Baltimore side <laughs> in Monday Night Football. For those of you that are really thirsting for action in the big game, and hey. I don't blame you if that's the case. Alex, always fun. We're at about an hour 20, so let's wrap this up. Good luck in week three, and, hey, we'll be talking. You too. I'll talk to you later. All right. We appreciate everybody that tuned in. This has been Full Slate, a Blue Wire gambling podcast. And, of course, please play responsibly. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in a new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series now streaming on Showtime.